On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus prays to his Father, I have given them your word, and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them from the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Nate Gazau, and you're listening to Aliens on Earth. Please stick around. We've got a very special episode just for you. Hey, welcome back. So this is episode six, called to do the impossible. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a dream that you know God gave you, that you would do something great one day? You have a vision or passion and burden for something that you believe you're meant to do or create. Maybe you had an encounter with God in a dream or he spoke to your heart, something outlandish, a little bit crazy that you didn't even think you were capable of. And it's almost like even if you try to stop thinking about it or you decide, nah, this can't be from God, it just keeps coming back to your thoughts. And it may even get confirmed by the people around you several times. You know, God often raises up people to accomplish his agenda on earth in every generation, whether it's in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Even now, God is always ready to use someone for his kingdom's purpose. Maybe God has spoken to you and you can relate to this, but let's just say maybe it's been months, even years since he gave you this dream or vision and nothing's happened or nothing's happening currently. You may think, uh, maybe I misheard God. I misinterpreted what he was actually saying. One thing we got to know is God's ways are higher than ours. And God is outside of time and he's outside of space. And honestly, God can see yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at once. He knows the next year you and the next decade you. As humans, we only can see and make judgments based on what's right in front of us or what's around us and what history teaches us from the past. Everything we have is really partial knowledge, but God knows all. We must realize that his timing, his view, his approach is always best. And I know you're thinking, yeah, that sounds easy to say. When we receive a vision from God, we might think, you know, this vision doesn't really go with my character or what God showed me requires boldness and an outgoing personality. I'm probably the shyest, most timid person, introverted, you know, like socially awkward. We may complain that God's putting in us a burden for something that we usually wouldn't even think twice about. I want to tell you a little bit about a mighty man of valor. You might relate to this. His name is Gideon. Before we look at his life, let's look at the background story a little bit. God's people, the Israelites, were doing evil in the sight of God, and it was a tough time for them. Scripture tells us that in Judges 6, God gave them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Israelites made dens in the mountains and hidden caves because whenever the Midianites or the neighboring Amalekites or any of the people of the eastern region came against them, it would take all their livestock and crops. Judges chapter 6 verse 4 says, leaving no sustenance for Israel. So God's people are suffering, having to hide. Even their crops, they have to hide them in the dens and caves too, along with themselves. These people cry out to God in their oppression, and God reminds them that he was the one that delivered them out of Egypt and that he had warned them not to turn away from him and begin serving other gods. Let's get to the exciting part now. Now the angel of the Lord comes and sits under a tabernacle tree at Oprah, which belongs to Joash, 
the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. Let's pause right there for a second, just to paint the scene a little bit. Gideon is in a wine press. He's hidden and he's beating wheat there so that the Midianites don't come and attack and take what little he has. So usually a wine press is about six by six. And you know, that's not a lot of space. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you. Oh, mighty man of valor. <laughs> and this sounds a little bit comical, right? So the Lord finds Gideon in a wine press. He's hiding for his life, scared, probably trembling, you know, beating the wheat to store for his family. And can you imagine, like, put yourself in that spot you know your enemy is all around you and you're hidden outside you're beating the wheat and you're probably trembling like any second now i'm gonna hear horses hooves coming and swords clanging you know you're in that moment right so gideon is hiding for his life doing all this and the angel of the lord comes to him and says oh mighty man of valor this is borderline ridiculous right god calls him pretty much the opposite of what his character is portraying currently. Almighty man of valor. Listen to Gideon's response. He says, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, given us to the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Whoa. So this is, is kind of crazy, right? Gideon is complaining and he's saying, how could you tell me, almighty man of valor, the Lord is with you? The Lord has abandoned us. Meanwhile, the angel of the Lord isn't even buying into this. He doesn't even validate Gideon's view or understanding of God or himself. He just says, go in this might of yours and save Israel. And God is pretty much telling Gideon, like, isn't it not me that's sending you? So if, if I'm sending you, then I'll equip you. You only know what you see here. I see all things and I choose you. Gideon responds back, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speaks with me, because please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. And Gideon goes and gets his gift and brings it back to the angel of the Lord. Goats meat and unleavened bread. As the story progresses, as the story progresses before God had Gideon defeat his enemies and fulfill his assignment there, there was other things that he first needed Gideon to do. God made him tear down all the false idols of Baal and destroy them. Really, that was was the reason that all this was happening to them in the first place they had turned their backs on the one true god and started worshiping idols god has him start to clean up and destroy all those things that had them fall astray god was honestly preparing him for the big mission his initial call to him moving along god has him gather an army of thirty-two thousand, and he dwindles that army down to 300 so god like filters out this army and he's having gideon do all these things so Gideon never gets it twisted that 
It was God who made this happen and not Gideon's own strategy or intelligence. Gideon defeats the army of, of the Midianites and the enemies of Israel. He fulfills what God has initially spoken. So God saw Gideon's attributes that Gideon didn't even know he had in him. And because God called him, God equipped him. He sent him. He did all this in his way, not the logical way or the obvious way. So no one could ever take credit for God's work. God used 300 men to defeat a large army. Just so you know, God sees you differently. He knows what he's put inside of you. Your life circumstances, what you're going through now may have buried it down you know, deep inside. But when God calls you, he also equips you. Just remember, be obedient, even when it makes no sense. So, you know, you're like, okay, cool. Gideon was shy. He was a scaredy cat. Okay, I get it. But maybe you aren't like Gideon and you are confident in God's promise and you're ready and willing to act now. But maybe you've been hurt by family or loved ones that didn't really see the vision. You feel like you're betrayed or maybe you're alone and maybe it's church hurt a leader or you were involved in the church. No one saw the vision that God had put inside you. People you trusted and love may have heard what God has spoken to you and hurt you by their words, actions, or maybe even their lack of faith. Maybe you feel abandoned. I want you to know you're not alone in this either. In Genesis chapter 37 from verse 5, we see a young kid who's a dreamer. His name is Joseph. Joseph has a dream. When he tells this to his brothers, it says they hated him. And listen to this. Verse 6, he says to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? <laughs> they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Verse 9 tells us, Now he had still another dream, related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He related this to his father and to his brothers. And it says right here, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? But it says his father kept the saying in mind. So Joseph was given a dream by God. He tells his family and every single one of them disapproved and they rebuked him for it. Little did they know that those sheaves of wheat resembled a famine that was coming and that God would be using Joseph as the solution that would save God's people. Joseph had a long journey ahead of him filled with really more betrayal and more loneliness. But Joseph answered God's call. God sustained him to the end. Joseph chose God consistently, although he was betrayed by his family, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape and sent to prison. And his end is the fulfillment of the dream he had at 17. And while the nations went through a famine, God used Joseph to save the land. A pattern we often see is God testing the ones he calls. Will he remain faithful? Will he allow the hurt of family, friends to deter him or them from faithfulness? Hurt of people putting dirt on your name falsely, accusing you of things that you could never do or say, outcasting you. Remember, 
he who has called you will also equip you. And maybe again, you're thinking, I'm not like Gideon or Joseph. Maybe you have the confidence and the faith and also the backing of your family, your friends, and your local church. But still, there's crickets. He spoke something and it's been way too long. God must have changed his mind. But maybe he showed you something when you were in your teens and you're like, bro, I'm about to be 50 and I ain't seen Jack. But remember how Abraham was promised an heir and he waited and waited and nothing happened. So he had a son with one of his Egyptian slaves and he named his son Ishmael. And in Genesis 18 verse 9, just a little background story. So there's these three angels that come to Abraham and Abraham asked them to stay. And when he asked them to stay, one of them asks him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, they're in the tent. One of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, if this was any normal story, you'd be like, oh, well, congratulations, Sarah. She's about to have a son. But when you realize that she's 90 years old, you have a different reaction. Honestly, you'd be like, this is probably for someone who's in their 20s, maybe 30s and pushing it 40s. Right. But God gives Sarah this promise. Let's hear how she reacts. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and old and my Lord is old. So she refers to Abraham as my Lord. I will now have this pleasure. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And he pretty much reiterates, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. And it says in verse 15, Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Fast forwarding a little bit. God gives Sarah her child in her 90s. This is all after childbearing is unthinkable. He fulfills his promise to Abraham. Sarah gives birth to Isaac on God's time. Remember, if he says it, he'll do it. Just answer the call and remain obedient. I'll end with this. Be encouraged. The God that has called you and shown you a vision is faithful to bring it to fruition. God calls people in different ways for different tasks. And what he's asking of you may be unique, but there's always the same goal. It's to bring glory to his name. It's always for the advancement of his kingdom. God never calls you to do anything that you can accomplish on your own, because if you could do it, why would you need him, right? He doesn't call you to anything for your own good either, for your own glory or so that you can just feel good about yourself. You may be thinking, okay, well, what do I do while I'm waiting? The reality is just stay obedient. You know, there's so many people like King David was anointed at as a king at 16, but he served under the king that he was gonna replace for about 17 years through many ups and downs. You may be serving under someone now that you may replace. Just 
stay humble and serve even when it gets hard don't get sidetracked by the spoils or the bedazzles that may come don't get sidetracked by the position that god puts you in when he calls you and he gives you a little bit of fame or attention don't let that get to your head don't be like this other guy named Gehazi in the old testament he was elisha's protege and he was under elisha's influence and tutelage he was to be the next prophet but Gehazi got attached to his position really he got attached to the position instead of the call he enjoyed the power and the status he may have started in sincerity but somewhere down the road he got comfortable can you imagine if joseph got comfortable in potiphar's house i guarantee you he would have started playing house thinking he was the master and he may have let his prosperity get to his head and maybe he may even have slept with potiphar's wife imagine how tragic that ending would be well he may have avoided jail time but israel would have never survived that famine they would have been wiped out he would have never made it to the king's courts to save the people he would have been destroyed in the famine as well so let's look back at Gehazi and see what happens he says in second kings verse 5 Gehazi the servant of Elisha the man of God said to himself my master is too easy on Naaman this Aramean by not accepting from him what he brought us as surely as the Lord lives I will run after him and get something from him so Gehazi hurried after Naaman when Naaman saw him running toward him he got down from his chariot to meet him he said is everything all right yes everything is all right Gehazi answered my master sent me to say so now he's lying two young men from the company of the prophets have just come to me from the hill country of Ephraim please give them the talent of silver and the two sets of clothing by all means take the two talents said Naaman he urged Gehazi to accept them tied up the two talents of silver in two bags folded the two sets of clothing he gave them to the two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi verse 24 says when Gehazi came to the hill he took the things from his servants put them away in the house he sent the men away and they left when he went in and stood before his master Elisha he asked him where have you been Gehazi your servant didn't go anywhere Gehazi responded but Elisha said to him was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you is this the time to take money or to accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards or flocks or herds or male and female slaves Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous it had become as white as snow Sheesh. so just rewind a little bit before this scene there was a man named Naaman who came and he has top rank you know he's a big wig hot shot comes to Elisha to get healed from his leprosy so Elisha tells him to dunk himself in the Jordan River seven times and he'd be healed and he did this and he got healed and he was so happy about this that he wanted to pay Elisha for this thing that he did for him and Elisha refused this and they were heading home and Gehazi like wait a minute we deserve this money he pretty much let that position get to his head he let that power get to his head and he goes back and collects this even though Elisha told him no Elisha tells him is this now the time so Elisha is not even really saying that having these things is necessarily a bad thing but he's upset with him because he got sidetracked he got distracted by all this and the reality is we can't be distracted by success 
that comes with God's call. Don't get sidetracked by the fame or the position that comes with it. Don't let it trick you into thinking that you've arrived at the destination when you're just at the beginning. So we got to stay on course. God has called us all to represent him and work towards expanding his kingdom. And I know this for a fact that he has called you. Yes, you. Be filled with his words and allow him to speak to you. He'll show you the way, but it may not make sense. You may be thinking you're inadequate or your family and friends may turn on you. It may take 50 years, but just answer the call. Stay obedient. When God starts to work in you, don't get distracted and don't get comfortable. Remain humble and in due time, he will fulfill his promise. Think about it like this. What if you didn't answer the call? And let's say God wanted to use you in your workplace or your school, or he wanted you to start that business, or he put it in your heart to start a nonprofit, or he put something huge in you to impact the community around you and let's say you didn't do it for whatever reason whether you were afraid or whether someone told you not to do it or you just got discouraged because it wasn't happening on your timeline there's so many people out there that would be missing out from what you have to offer and just like gideon or joseph or even sarah god chose them because it was through them that he needed to do this so just like them through you there's something god is wanting to do that will bring impact to people and not accepting the call is catastrophic i want to encourage you accept the call of god if you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes please download them share them with your friends comment tell us what you think and most of all tune in next week as we have a brand new episode just for you this is aliens on earth and until next time i'm your host Nate Gazelle.